Blog Talk Radio. Happy, happy new year. Happy new year to everybody out there. And Blog Talk Radio Land, all of our off-the-shelf listeners, have, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas holiday, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whichever holiday you celebrate, and a, and a, just a fabulous new year that you, you've made your plans, not just said the changes that you'd like to see in your life, but you also are, are planning, making plans for those changes so you can realize at the end of the year you can say, wow, I did this, 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 and that, and, and, and feel really, really good about it as we go into another year because, as we all know, time goes so, so quickly. And before we know, we'll be saying, oh, my God, 2015 is almost over. So, again, I, I want to wish you a happy new year, and I wish you so many blessings and miracles and just just so much, so much good things, so many, many good things. I hope just come flowing into your life. I want to welcome all of you to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf. I, always, I often like to give a shout-out. To Neil Blake over at Blake Radio, he's actually on Blog Talk Radio too, but he has his own radio platform, uh, and they play the Rainbow Soul, which they play the nicest, nicest music and jazz over there. You know, it's Blake Radio, B-L-A-K-E. Uh, I'm not affiliated with them, but I got started over at Blake Radio, and I really like what they do. But I want to welcome all of you to Off the Shelf for this Saturday, January the 10th, 2015, and a brand spanking new year. Thank you, thank you for joining us this morning. I always say this, and I truly mean it. Hope it comes across in my energy, but I just, I absolutely love all of you guys. And it is such a joy to have you here with us as we head it toward now 12 years on the air. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I want to thank all of you who have been here, our loyal listeners. You tune in week after week for going on 12 years. And those who who might you might be coming by for the first time, or it might be just a few times so far that you've listened to Off the Shelf. You still have time before we get into the the meat and potatoes of today's show. You still have time to tell your colleagues and your relatives and your friends and your neighbors to tune in to Off the Shelf Radio, and you can call you can dial in at three four seven. Nine nine four three four nine zero. Again, you can dial into Off the Shelf Radio at Saturday mornings, eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time, three four seven nine nine four three four nine zero. Or you can click the link to Off the Shelf Radio. It's at Blog Talk. All you got to do is search on it. You can search the internet a browser for it. Denise Turney, Off the Shelf. Boom, it should come right up. You can click the link, and then we also have a chat room where you can join us in there. So you have three ways that you can get to it, whether you're using your mobile phone, a home phone, using it browsing with your smartphone on the web, or you're at your laptop or computer. You can you can connect to us and enjoy the show. And the real treat is the guests always share more, even more than what I think they're going to share. We have never had a guest on who hasn't shared great tips and advice. And as you listen to their stories, like you listen to the day's guest stories, there are certain things you can learn. You can lo- you can know what not to do early so you can avoid mistakes, save yourself time. You can know what to do to get success much quicker. And it's all for free. It's entertaining and it's for free. So I hope you go out and tell other people, listen to 
off the shelf. For those who are tuning for the first time, I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And thank you, thank you for your support. Please, today, go out and give yourself a treat. In addition to, in addition to getting a copy of today's guest book, I hope you go out and get a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. If you love mystery and if you especially value relationships, complicated relationships, and you like to see how people evolve, there are also some high chase scenes and loads and loads of entertainment and Love Pour Over Me. I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me today. If you already have a copy, you can get a copy for someone else in your life who you love. And you can get a Love Pour Over Me ebook or print generally almost anywhere. It's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Books, ebook here, Walmart, libraries. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it, and they can order a special copy for you because Love Pour Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So go give yourself a treat and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Mia Sean. Mia is a freelance writer and a novelist. She's a native Texan, and she's a graduate. I hope I say this right. She's a graduate of... Lay Tournay University, and she is a fraternal or an identical twin. Mia is passionate about the natural hair movement. We're going to talk to her some about that today on the day show. And she is the author of the novel, Marvelous Are Thy Works. What a title, what a title. Mia is online at www.miashawn.com, and I'll spell that for you, M-E-I-A-H-S-H-A-U-N.com, M-E-I-A-H. S H A U N dot com. One more time. M E I A H S H A U N dot com. Mia Sean dot com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Mia. Hi, thank you. We're delighted to have you on and, and looking forward to what you share about your book, the natural hair movement. And I think I had a few questions thrown in there, even about being a, a, a twin. I, mean, I actually two two twins at the church I used to go to, wonderful, wonderful women. I don't, but I don't think they were identical twins. Uh, we love to give off-the-shelf listeners a treat. And that's a bit, bit of backstory on our guests before I launch right right into talking about your books, et cetera. So to begin today's interview, Mia, can you tell us what it was like for you growing up in Orange, Texas? Oh, wow. Um, Orange is <laughs> it's a very small town in southeast Texas, about 200 miles east of Houston, and it sits along Interstate 10, the last little town you'll drive through before you cross over into uh, the state of Louisiana. So it's a blend of, of Texan and Cajun culture, but um, it's okay. a really small town. Everyone pretty much knew everyone. And okay, so what was... Any siblings? Which what was it like for you growing up? I know you said it's a small town, but yeah. you know, I know, no, I know you do have a sibling. You have a twin sister. Yeah, I have a twin sister. What was it like? I mean, do you have any other siblings? What was it like for you growing up uh, in in Orange? Yeah. Other than that, the fact that it was a small town. Well, <laughs> yeah, I have a twin sister, and we are fraternal. We're not identical, 
But um, for me, um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to kind of explain being a twin, I guess, because it's just my norm, my normal. And so, um, you know, you have someone all the time that uh, you share birthdays with. You always have that friend, that buddy with you at all times. And so it's just me and her. We don't have any more siblings. Um, it's just the two of us. And, um, you know, like I said, it's a small town. Um, I was a pretty sheltered kid, and um, I was really close to my grandmother. And I always knew I would just leave there. You know, I always had big city dreams, and so I always knew that I would leave my um, my small hometown. Ah, what, 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 who was it? You were close to your grandmother. Is she the one who inspired you to develop a love for reading and books and writing? Well, you know, interestingly, uh, my grandma, she only had like an eighth grade education, but she was very, very wise and very intelligent. And she was like the best storyteller. And so, um, you know, I guess I kind of got a love for stories just growing up around her. But I've always wrote poetry from a small child. I wrote poetry through grade school, high school, and I always did really well in English. But to me, it was just a hobby. I I didn't look at it as anything else because nobody in my family did that but me. I was the only one that really was, you know, you know, into poetry and wrote short stories. No one did that. And mm-hmm. so it was just a hobby. I didn't take it much seriously until um, I was in grad school at Lake Turner University, I learned more um, there. Um, it's a Christian it's a Christian university, Laterno, and I learned a lot about um, spiritual gifts, and I started taking my writing more seriously and looking at it more as a gift and how can I use that gift to empower people. Okay. Is, is it true? Is it true? One more question about your, tw- your twin. Is it true that twins... Uh, that they enjoy a connection, and I've, I've I've recently even saw something about this. They they often will scientists will study twins to learn more about mm-hmm. humans in general. The connection that twins have uh, is it true that they enjoy a connection that few mm-hmm. other people have? That they have that they almost like it, even if they they've done studies where two twins are let's say separated at birth and one grows up in another country or another part of the country mm-hmm. and they will have still so many similarities that it's like wow it is would you say from your experience that that's true similar tastes similar likes similar dislikes similar uh, like fashion tastes similar similarities in the types of people they're attracted to the types of things they enjoy whether it's the arts or sports etc would you say that's true I'd say it's true, definitely, but I think what mom, this is what my mother did for us when we were little, little, um, when we were in school, she always made sure that my sister and I were in separate classrooms. We never had the same teacher, and she oh. always did that to keep us from, um, just to kind of help us be uh, individual and kind of be independent of each other, but mm-hmm. that is still true. You still, you know, you're always going to have that bond. And so, like, my sister and I, we're not identical, but we're fraternal, but we still are a lot alike as uh, far as, like, certain tastes, um, you know, in clothes or food, fashion, you know. But at the same time, we do have some differences as well. Like, I'm more into writing. She doesn't write. You know, okay. Um, we have different, we totally majored in different um, fields of study. 
But at the same time, we have a passion for, you know, uh, empowering women, and we have a passion for our youth, you know, especially those that are maybe troubled or uh, abused. You know, we kind of have similar um, passions of the heart, but we do have <laughs> different interests as well. But, yeah, it is okay. very true. You, you do have that bond, and um, you are able you, to get each other's moods and uh, emotions. Wow. You are the first twin we've had on that I in almost 12 years, <laughs> going on 12, over 11 years. You are the first, so congratulations oh, on that. Oh. <laughs> it's interesting to, to, to know more about I twins. About I'm always I might need to write a book. Have, I might need to kind of do that, yeah, kind of share that, um, that side of, um, you know, being a twin because people are always fascinated. We, I guess you just kind of used to the questions as well. You get questions all the time. Can you give our off-the-shelf listeners, now with a little bit of backstory of you, Mia from Orange, Texas, a small town, she's she's a twin, and she she really started to develop her writing more when she went to college. So we have that wonderful backstory from you and then the closeness that you share with your grandmother. Can you give now our off-the-shelf listeners an overview of Marvelous Are Thy Works, and I love that title. Sure, sure. Well, Marvelous Are Thy Works, um, it's about um, a salon owner. Her name is Fatima Williams, and she owns All Natural Hair Salon in Washington, D.C. Her best friend is Lauren, and her cousin is Sheba, and they are her business partners. So their style is, is well at All Natural Hair Salon. And so uh, Fatima just had this epiphany one day. Um, she desires to move beyond their salon and travel the country, empowering black women with her motivational message of, of natural hair empowerment. And so um, as she moves further into her destiny, it's like her inner circle is dwindling because um, her business partners, they're not on board with this new business proposal that she has um, to move forward with their salon, their business. And so there's conflict with that. And also, you know, she's wanting to be married. She's been in a long-time relationship with her boyfriend, Ephraim, of five years. And he's so focused on his his career. Um, He's extremely successful in um, corporate America, and he hasn't, um, opposed to her, and so uh, she feels as if, you know, she's experiencing a lot of growth, and this should be, like, the best season of her life, but it's turning into a lonely time for her. Ah. So, why why hasn't he? Okay, go ahead. Is he scared of commitment? What's what's taking him so long? Five years is a long time. <laughs> is he scared <laughs> yeah, of commitment? Well, you she will refer to herself often in the story as this eternal girlfriend, you know. And so, um, you know, I can relate to her because I think sometimes when, um, you know, some men are intimidated by strong, independent women sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think with, between their relationship, they both are so much alike. They're very, very intelligent. They're very well educated. They both are successful in business. And so I think the fact that they kind of shifted down different paths 
that's the, the conflict in their relationship. She's went one direction and he went another direction. And so mm. um, he's a man's man, so he has to be needed at all times. And so I think that could be um, the underlying issue between them because she's very independent financially as well. So. <laughs> you bring up a very good point, and I'm glad. Do you touch on that? You just talked to us. You know, he's he's sound like an alpha male. Uh, what people describe alpha male as, yeah. he, he needs to be needed. And I was told that when I was a kid, and even my brother, one of my brothers told me that that uh, men need to feel like they can, like they are needed to help do something, whether it's fix something around the house, or that's how men express that they care by by doing things. And then if you're doing everything yourself, then they feel like, okay, wait a minute, where do I fit in here? <laughs> so, do you do you do you address that in the story? Yeah, I do. It's, you know, I've been through it myself. Sometimes when you're dating someone, he's like, is he competing with me, or does he just really need me more? I think that's from what I've seen. That's the the underline of what's going on there. Mm. Now, how did how, how did Fatima Williams? How did she? You may have said this. How did she come to own this? Did she start out natural hair salon herself? You talk about this team she's working with. She wants to take the business in one direction. They don't really want to go in that direction. Did she inherit this salon? Did like her mother and her grandmother own a salon and she inherited it, or did she just start it on her own? Well, she started on her own, her own passion. Yeah, she started on her own. She loved. I put that as one story. She was also corporate America, and she decided to leave and start her own business. But this is something she's passionate about. She enjoys this much more. And so, no, it wasn't um, a legacy in her family or anything. It's just something that she built from the ground up herself. So let me ask you this. Is she from a family of entrepreneurs? When you build out your characters, I know uh, as as a novelist, create mm-hmm. characters that people often will think in their head, oh, that reminds me of my friend Cynthia, or that reminds me of Brenda, uh, or somebody that they've heard of, whether it's reading a magazine story or listening to a radio a show, mm-hmm. but somebody in real life that the person has heard of and they can feel this connection with, which helps them to have a deeper connection with the character because then the character takes on kind of these real life qualities. But is she from a family of entrepreneurs? Is she the first person in her entire family to own their own business? Or is there somebody else in her, her family who's been an entrepreneur? I didn't talk about that in the book at all, but I did stress that, you know, she's, you know, a, a college graduate. She went to business school, and so she does have, you know, she does have the corporate business experience in real estate. That's her background, and but her passion was natural hair. That's something she did as well, and it's just something that she wanted to kind of do from day to day, um, which, you know, I meet people all the time who leave their corporate jobs all the time to fulfill something that they're more passionate about and makes mm-hmm. them more happy. And I think that's, that's pretty much the direction she took. Um, she's more fulfilled um, in her community with her salon, and um, they, they also have, you know, um, been successful in their community in the D.C. area, and they're well-known as solid. So she's definitely started some trends there um, in her community, and then she's just more fulfilled um, 
as an entrepreneur, than working in a corporate uh, real estate office. How old is Fatima? I'm trying to picture her in my head, and I'm trying to uh, help like our off-the-shelf listeners also. How old, is, how old is she? And the next question I have is, yes. can you describe the setting, the environment around where All Natural Hair Salons is co- is set in Washington, located in Washington, D.C., because there's all different types of areas to D.C., but can you tell us, uh, describe the setting, the people who live in the area uh, where the salon is, and the types of customers, her clientele, what are their personalities and their characters like? Sure. Well, she's in her late 20s, around 26 years old. She's not far from 30 years old. She talks about that as well. Her and uh, Lauren are college buddies. They went to college together, and so, um, you know, they both talk about almost reaching 30 and where they want to be by the time they are 30 years old. Um, But they are uh, in the D.C. area. um, I believe they're around maybe the Adams Morgan area. Um, Fatima um, lives not far from, he's from, he lives in the, Kalawama area of D.C., um, and so um, their clients are all natural hair. Um, they don't do any type of relaxed hair. Everyone comes there wears natural hair, completely natural. And um, Fatima also does consultations. I She does have a client, Danielle, in the story where she breaks down um, the consultation process going natural, um, a relaxed, chemical relaxer. So she educates Danielle about that transitional process and how to get started and how she can help her through that transition or even make a decision to go natural. And so um, that's highlighted in the story. Um, Another client of hers is Angela. She's a college professor at Historical Black College, She's a long-time client. She wears sister locks. Uh, Fatima also wears sister locks. And so I talk about that as well. If anyone that's never heard of sister locks, I give you some um, highlight on what they are and how that's uh, maintained. Um, Lauren has traditional locks, and she has a lock client who she starts to date. Um, Sheba is natural as well. She wears her hair in a loose curly um, natural afro, and so you know, I'm, you get to uh, reading this story, you get to learn about different um, hairstyles, different um, maintenance tips, and also it's just educational as well, especially someone who may not be familiar with um, natural hair care. Breaks down all now, that. Look, Lauren and Sheba, do they? Are they? Do Lauren, Sheba, and Fatima? Do the, the three of them have a have ownership in all natural mm-hmm. hair products now? I know Fatima started it on their own, but have they all come together, put pooled their resources, and they all three of them own the firm? Yeah, they all the are partners. Yeah, they all are, and that's why that's that's power struggle right now because they're not agreeing on the vision or the business. Now, Lord. Lauren and Fatima, I'm trying to, as much as I can without giving too much of the story away, give okay. as, as much of it to our listeners so they're like, oh, I want to go out and learn more about this story. Because our interviews stay up pretty much indefinitely. You'll get a lot of listeners mm-hmm. as the weeks and months go by. Okay. You will get a lot of them. Um, 
and just so they know they can they can start to put the story together in their head. So Fatima and Lauren knew each other from college. Uh, yes. Sheba, how long have Fatima and They're Lauren cousins. known her? Uh, well, Sheba and La- Sheba and Fatima are cousins, and oh, okay. Fatima and Lauren are college buddies. So Fatima introduces. Lauren and Sheba. So that's how she okay. and Lauren meet each other. They, they meet each other through Fatima. What does Fatima, what does she think her destiny is? I know she's involved in the community and mm-hmm. she's into natural hair. What what inside herself deeply, what does she think her destiny is and why does she think this is her destiny? I think she wants to be like this, um, this icon. Yeah, you know, I think she wants to be this brand, that's pretty much um, what she's trying to build. Around the natural? She wants to be um, be known outside of the D.C. area. She wants to travel nationally, and she's trying to, she wants to be a brand. Oh, kind of like, I interviewed her for Madam Noor. What is her name? Uh, Will Smith and his wife, Jada, got behind her and supported her. Carol's daughter. She oh, wants yeah, to be yeah. kind of, but uh, kind of like that, right. but with the hair salon type thing. Yeah. It sounds like right. A combination. I also believe a combination of. I think the Lisa Price is running. Lisa Price, Carol's daughter. Yes, and yes, yes. Probably she's um, a wonderful, so wonderful Lisa, person. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah it there's a lot good. of trend uh, feathers out there um, that have uh, impacted the natural hair movement. They're well known and also been inspiration to me as well. But I think she's definitely a combination of Carol's daughter, Curly Nikki. Um, she wants to do social media stuff, like um, video and footage. I mean, she really has big ideas that's just blowing um, Sheba and Lauren away because they have their own goals, you know. So they have their you know own vision as well. There's different things they want to do. And so that's where the conflict is with the three of them. That's good. You need conflict in a story. Yeah, they have, you know they have their own. Because Sheba is married, and so you know she has. She wants to do you know family wise. Like she wants a family, and so she's like, well, how is this going to fit into what I'm trying to do? And so, you know, and that's where the drama falls with them. And now, it's, do you, you know, tackle? Go ahead. Yeah, I think you know they're business partners, so they need to be on the same page. Mm, yes. I'm thinking of the new TV series Empire. <laughs> when, you, when you start with with uh, Taraji and Terrence Howard, when you when you start talking about, you know, they got to all be on one page, and what happens when this one wants to go this way, and this one wants to go that way, and this one wants to go this way, and you think of all the different conflicts, which make for a very good novel uh, that could arise from that. Do you tackle other than the, 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 this this issue of where, where where to take the company next? Do you tackle tough issues in the novel uh, that people deal with in everyday life? And if so, what are some of those issues? You already told us about the, the uh, dealing with a man with a woman is so independent. The guy might feel mm-hmm. like, okay, what, what do you need me for? Do you tackle any other issues, tough real life issues, and marvelous all that works? I think um, the passion for all three women, um, Lauren, Fatima, and Sheba, is definitely just wanting black women to, like, uh, love themselves for 
who they are. And so, um, you know, not every woman is going to wear natural hair. And um, I think what they're um, passionate about is just letting women know that you are beautiful and you don't have to be afraid to wear your natural hair if you're working in a corporate job or um, fearing, you know, you might not be accepted into a university or or just um, what your family or peers think. I think um, that's, that's something definitely that the three of them stress a lot, and they really, really go deep into that um, about our history, um, dealing with African hair and our heritage. And so, you know, they definitely, definitely are open and candid about that issue. And so, um, you know, that's something that you'll definitely um, – be educated and informed on reading the story, but it's also, you know, inspirational. It's also a romance as well, and so it's it's, it's definitely um, different um, layers to this story, and which which I'm very excited about it. It's like a little pot of gumbo. It's a little blend of this and that, and um, it's very um, rounded out. I have to ask you. When you when we go back, uh, when you talk about natural hair, I've pretty much all my life worn my hair just natural. And for me, it's just like there's no big thing to it. But so many people even today still put perms in their hair, and years and years of putting perms in your hair generally will damage your hair. Some people almost ever seemingly irreparable. I've heard so many. I've heard several stories of women who've put perms in their hair for years and. Then they they're like my hair is so damaged, and then they have to almost cut it as short as a guy's, and then grow it back naturally because it's just all those years. Why do you think? Well, two questions. What inspired you to ta- to, to tackle that specific issue, and why do you think so many women still feel this push, literally compelled that almost to be a black woman? Or an attractive black woman, or a black woman who's taken seriously, you have to have European-looking hair. Yeah. For what well, what uh, inspired me is just my own experience, as you said. Um, yeah, I went through um, getting relaxers. I think I got my first relaxer. I was like four or five years old, and so I'm going to the salon and getting my hair relaxed. And um, a few years ago, I was living in Austin, Texas. And I was in Austin, Texas for about six years, and it's predominantly Caucasian, Hispanic population, and I couldn't find no one to do my hair. And so that's kind of where it started. My hair started falling out. Uh, I couldn't find a hairstylist that did black hair. And then when I did find a black stylist, um, you know, she just didn't really know what to do because I had so much over-processed my hair was so old and processed from the chemicals. And so I had something to refuse service. And so my hair started falling out, and I thought I was having uh, some sort of disease. I thought I had alopecia. I really did. I had bald spots mm. everywhere. And so that started my research. I started researching healthy black hair care. But through that uh, research and Googling on the Internet, reading books, I discovered the natural hair movement. And so I was like, what is this all about? And I really got into it, educated myself, and I was inspired. And then I decided that was the answer to my prayers. That's what I needed to try. Mm. I tried everything else. 
and I haven't looked back. So I went natural in 2007. Okay. Yeah, I wrote my, you know, I've documented my uh, journey going into, uh, you know, the transition. And Mm -hmm. I met a lady from Africa who helped me transition. I just documented everything from pictures Mm -hmm. to journals, and that kind of stirred in me this story. And so oh. I think it's a lack of education. You know, a lot of us just don't know. You don't have the knowledge. No one ever told me not to relax my hair. I never even, it never even occurred to me not to wow. relax my hair. I just, it was no such, it was unheard of. Or I've never heard of such a thing. And so, wow, uh, you are blowing me away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah, you think of it, sometimes the things that we do, it's like it's all I've ever known. What do you mean? Right. I never even that knew there was something else. I, this is all I ever knew. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you. So, I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And wow. So, that is, this story just started to kind of start up in me. Fatima came, introduced herself to me, and I just kind of started writing what I was seeing and hearing. The scene started to kind of fold, and, and you know, it took a few years to kind of get things on paper, but um, it just kept starting me this story. And so the title is from actually Psalms 139 verse 14. And um, it's just one of my favorite scriptures. I think it's uh, relevant for um, self-love and self-esteem and how God makes us for our purpose and we are perfect in his image. And so that's how I came with the title Marvelous on Time Works. Mm. And I again I I I love that title. How long did, did, is Fatima is she is she Lauren and Sheba are they all have they always been kept their hair naturally number 1. Number 2 for our oh. listeners who might be interested in going natural. Mm-hmm. How long what did it take you? You said your hair was falling out. How long yeah. did it take you to go from there to when your hair really started to heal? Okay. They do talk about their their uh, journeys and their experiences in the story. Uh, Fatima talks about how, you know, she wore a relaxer and what she went through with that and why she uh, decided to go natural. Whereas Lauren is from Brooklyn, New York, and so she's from a very culture-diverse culture uh, environment. So she grew up around a lot of people in her neighborhood who wore dreads or locks and for her it's culture and so she talked about that as well her childhood and so um for me it only took me a year to kind of uh well i made the decision pretty quickly to go natural but it took me an entire year to um transition um because i you know i didn't have a lot of hair all, all falling out but i wore braids for about probably close to a year before I just totally chopped my hair off. I did the big chop and I had like probably two inches of hair if that long. I mean I was had no hair in my head. <laughs> but um I had just enough to catch where you can braid it when I cut mm-hmm. off all of my relaxer. And I just haven't looked back, you know, it's just grown very, very healthy and I wore an afro, I wore two strand twists, braids for probably Go three ahead, years. Girl. <laughs> and then I said, you know what, well, I'm going to lock my hair. But then I decided just to get sister lock. Okay. 
Wow. This, she is making this your book even more and more interesting. This is what I love about the interviews. Because <laughs> you start out and then as you ask the questions and the guests start answering, it, it brings not only learn more about the author, but it makes the book that much more interesting. Now, what process? That is so interesting, though. I just want to share this. This is what has totally blown me away, Denise. When I wrote this book and started marketing, I just only geared it towards just black women, but Caucasian women are reading my book, and they're also inspired by this story. And it's not just for black women. It's for all women. And so that's been a shocker for me um, since I started promoting this book. I'm like, really? And, you know, um, one of my reviewers is um, a Caucasian woman, and she said, you know, we can learn from this as well. Because the film is hair color. It's not yes. hair yes. color. You said with that um mm-hmm. You know, self-esteem issues within their um, community, and you know, wanting to—you might be a blonde, and you might want to be a, a redhead, or someone yeah. want to be a blonde. You know, they have those same issues. But she said, with them, it's hair color, and so that comes yeah. with stereotypes and self-esteem issues and identity. And so, I just found that fascinating. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing that across cultures, in different ways that those issues that we all struggle with express themselves in different ways. But they're there. They're there. They're yeah. there, and, and unfortunately, uh, in all of us. Um, what process did you follow, Mia? And I want to let our listeners who may have just joined us know that we're speaking with our, our, our wonderful, wonderful special guest today is Mia Sean. She's a freelance writer and a novelist. She's a native Texan, and she's... She is a twin. We spoke about that. She's passionate about the natural hair movement. If you've recently joined the show, you can you can hear her her passion about it. She's the author of the novel Marvelous Other Works, and you can check her out online. You can even listen, go online, and learn more about her and her books, even as you listen to the rest of the day's interview. And her website is m e i a h s h a u n dot com. M e i a h S H A U N dot com. Now I was asking Mia, uh, um, what process did you follow to develop uh, the characters? I know you said Fatima just started to come to you as you were journaling your own experience, going mm-hmm. from perms to natural hair. But how did you develop more fully Fatima, Lauren, Sheba, Fatima's boyfriend, the other characters in the book? Did you write bios on the characters? Did you have them write letters to people that they in their their own relatives and friends? What process did you follow to start to develop and 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 put depth to the characters? Um, I did did uh, some bios. I did um, when I first was uh, introduced to Fatima. She you know told me her background, her story, and you know her friend Lauren, her cousin Sheba, and. and and then I you know, kind of outlined all of that. And then um, later on, um, she started talking about her man. I was like, well, who is this? You know, and so then um, Ephraim came. And so what I found interesting is that writing his character, I related to her because I dated um, an African man. I forgot to mention that Ephraim is an African. He's African descent. <laughs> Okay. And so, um, and she's from Texas, and so they met in college, and so um, I found that really interesting. Her and I related 
in that aspect. Um, I played an African man, so I kind of understood some things um, in him that um, was shared from her. And so I just now, went now, from there. Did you rely on any personal experiences, particularly being that this story, it's 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 in I would say quite a bit of a alignment to some degree to what you actually went through yourself. So did you rely on any personal experiences as you were writing Marvelous yes. Art I Works? Yes, I did. It's a combination of my imagination and uh, personal experience as well. Um, definitely um, with the transition and um, definitely with the um, cause I, I'm not a hairstylist. I, I don't know how to do hair. But uh, definitely from the transitional side, I could um, definitely put my experience in Danielle, um, her client, which um, I had fun writing um, about, you know, the questions she had and the stigmas and the fear of going natural. Um, I definitely um, can relate because I added my personal experience as well in that character. So it's a combination of both imagination do you have any tips, any, even just two to three? What if somebody here is listening off the shelf and they're thinking, you know what, I want to go natural. What tips could you share on a day show, just two to three, that could help someone as they start to make that transition or even make the decision that that's right for them? Well, um, I first say just educate yourself. Um, one of the most popular websites is curlymickey.com. Um, I was inspired by her back in 2007 when I decided to go natural. Um, I would get on blogs and I would read other women's um, experience and I would also participate, you know, in those forums and I would ask questions as well and then I would um, read other women's experience and stories and I just educated myself on the process, the uh, products. I mean, it's changed a lot over the years. Now there's so much out there that um, you can um, start with um, product-wise. Um, there's so many great natural, healthy, organic products on the market, and there's more resources now than there was when I started. So I definitely say um, research and check the different resources and meet people in your area. Find someone in your area that has a great reputation um, in natural hair care and see if you can get some assistance, maybe uh, transitioning, some protective hairstyles to get started, some braiding, uh, or maybe uh, wearing some type of twist in your hair to get started um, if you you know can't do it yourself. Uh, try to find someone with a great reputation and um, ask questions and ask to see pictures. I think that's important if they have a website. If you go to a salon, see if they have a website, if they have a portfolio you can look at and um, just research. I mean, it's, it's now, a ton of information out there. There's so much out there, a wealth of information um, now, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get started. It's just comes down to your own personal decision. Now, you said that was what, Curly Nikki? Curly, what did you say? Uh-huh. That? Yeah, curlynikki.com is probably the most popular site and the most uh, resourceful site, I believe, 
um, out there for natural hair. Everything you want to know is definitely on that site. Mia, uh, how much? Well. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah, she has a book as well, Mickey um, Walker. She has a book as well that she um, wrote and is geared towards natural hair care, and it's awesome. So I definitely recommend that as well as a resource. Do you know the title or no? Uh, so we can search it. We can you can reach we search okay. Curly Nikki, uh, and then I'm sure her book will come up. How much do you? There's so much that goes on in DC. How much do you use it in the story? Um, Marvelous how that works. How much do you entwine the backdrop of of the city? It's just a hotbed for politics. There's so much goes mm-hmm. on in DC. How much do you use it as a backdrop in the novel? It's just really a backdrop. I didn't get too in-depth in D.C. I just kind of went by what, I've, what I know from D.C. colleagues I've met in college. I haven't even been to D.C. <laughs> I've never even been there before. I just went by, you know, the things I know about the city itself and the fascination I have about D.C. It's definitely um, a place I need to definitely visit and I want to visit. But it's just more mm-hmm. of a backdrop. I didn't get too in-deep about um, politics or anything, but um, I kind of just took what uh, fascinates me about the city and the people I've met from the DMV area, and I kind of incorporate that in the story. Okay. And it's always been a dream of mine. I thought I was going to live there someday. So that's probably a part of it. <laughs> I thought I was going to move you, there after college. And you know what? I, I wrote my first novel, Portia, was set in Chicago, and I've never, I've been through Chicago, but I've never spent any length of time there. But people read it and swore, swore I was from Chicago. So you can do your research. I'm getting that, I'm getting that too, yeah. Yes, and then people will, oh, no, you're from there. No, no. But that's a compliment I'm passionate that you about did your research. You know, I think I've, I've, I've studied this, the city for years, and I really have plans to move there after uh, grad school, and so I just knew I was going to move to D.C., and so I felt like I knew everything I needed to know about it. I was going to move there, you know, and so I think that's part of why it comes across people say, oh, you must have lived there before. You have family there. How many times you visit mm-hmm. there? And I'm like, I have never been. It was just a passion and a dream. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, what what time period is Marvelous How That Works set in? Is it in 2014? What What time period is the story unfolding in? Um, you know, I didn't put that as in 2014. Um, it's definitely current, I'll say it's in, okay. in the 2000s. Yeah, it's pretty current. Um, I talk about different issues that's been um, relevant in the media within the last several years. So um, okay. it is current. No, that's something I didn't say. <laughs> No, but the reader probably can pick it up from, you know, you you, yeah. you cover some current yeah. events, so they can pick up the time period from that. That said, I what know, have you re- I need to do for the sequel, but I'm kind of working on the, the sequel as well, so that's something I think about. What, what have readers been saying to you about Marvelous How That Works? What type of feedback have you been getting? I'm actually getting some awesome feedback from, I've been doing the virtual book tours, and mm-hmm. so I've had the book reviewed by, um, you know, I've had the editorial uh, reviews. And so um, what I'm liking, and I mean, I'm, the feedback I'm getting is exactly what I'm hoping to receive, um, that it's empowering for women, it's an inspiration, and I think that um, one of my favorite um, 
reviews is the one I got recently from um, the Vegans Report. And um, she was saying that, you know, the story is about empowering women to walk in their purpose, to love themselves, and to um, embrace, you know, the dreams that God has placed in their heart. Um, that's also, you know, the message of the story other than um, the natural hair empowerment. And so um, I'm really excited about that because that's something I wanted to get. I wanted that message to be conveyed across to the audience. And so the fact that Linda um, received that from reading my story, it just makes me feel really good because I feel like I definitely got across um, their their message in this story, these characters. That's good. When the re, when you, you you that was a question I was going to ask you next, and you answered it. I was going to ask you what did you want readers to take away from it, and it sounds like from the feedback that you're getting that you that you 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 you, you scored on that because you're saying that the readers are giving you the feedback what they found beneficial from the book or what they enjoyed about it is what you wanted readers to take away from it. So that that's a that's a good thing. Um, now many of our off the shelf listeners are writers. Some would like to be writers, but they haven't sat down and put pen to paper yet. Can you okay. share? Can you share three to five tips, Mia, that people can use starting right now? They don't have to go get a degree or anything. They can three to five tips they can start to use right yeah. now, so they can start and finish their first novel this year. Well, my very first suggestion is to find a rep a, a great editor with a great reputation that can assist you on your level. And so uh, some authors, particularly new authors, you may need some more development. And so see what author that you can uh, connect with and reach out to and get um, as much advice as you need. If you just have it in outline form or you just maybe have the rough draft of your manuscript, see if they'll read maybe the first chapter or the first few chapters for free and maybe give you a critique on it, some feedback. Um, I definitely recommend wherever you live, try to locate a a writer's group. Try to connect with other writers and authors in your area because typically writer groups, they hold uh, workshops and they have seminars and they have um classes that you may can take and um, also just learn from other uh, writers in the area. Um, maybe there are some book festivals happening that you may not be aware of, but I think it's definitely important to connect with other writers. Um, that's where a lot of your resources will be uh, found, um, locating an editor, locating a distributor, a graphic designer. I mean, somebody is going to know. Um, in a writer's group, and they might can refer you to um, someone maybe at a discount rate or something. I I I can totally agree, and I, th I thank you for sharing those tips. And that's something that that I don't care what industry, what field you're in, uh, even if you work mm -hmm. at, in, at home, uh, that learning never stops because this world never stops changing. So as soon as you think, oh, I've got it all down, I've been doing this 20, 30 years, something changes, the Internet comes along, and then you've been a journalist and writing has now changed. Something something changes and you find yourself having to continue to learn. Think about that book, Who Moved My Cheese. In this world, things are always changing, so you have to 
mm-hmm. when you say like get in a forum, get in a professional a networking organization, et cetera, you're gonna always be learning. There's, I mean, who whoever can stop learning, regardless of how long you've been doing something. That said, uh, Fatima and going to writers uh, conferences for uh, new writers, I think is, oh my goodness, I think that is so beneficial, especially when they have. They'll have you. You can submit a short story or an article and get it critiqued for free and get that feedback. Uh, that is so valuable, you know. And and I would say be open and be open to receiving feedback. Don't take it personal. Be open because you're going to get feedback whether you get it from an editor or the reader. There's no way to avoid it. So I'd rather get it from the editor and and, and tighten it up. And then the reader just says that that they absolutely love it. I'd rather have it that way. Um, Now, you're also a freelance writer, Mia. What type of freelance writing do you do? I do articles as well. Um, I've done, you know, a lot of articles. I haven't got, you know, I don't always get paid. That's the thing about freelance. People ask me all the time, how much money can I make? And, you know, sometimes I let people know sometimes it's about just getting the exposure. And mm-hmm. that can really help you get traffic, you know, to your website, to your um, social media outlets. And so I started with easy articles, just writing on there, entering contests, and connecting with other writers on there. And that kind of helped me stay disciplined, like to keep a deadline and, um, you know, try different niches. I've done shopping and product reviews. I've done um, spirituality writing. And um, I wrote on um, book reviews as well. And so it just kind of helped me to um, tackle different niches and kind of get organized and structured and uh, pace myself as a writer. I'll I give you I some, I'll give some other opportunities. I'll Hi. share some some tips. Uh, and I want you to finish your statement, so I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. But if you have more to say, please continue. No, I'm just saying, you know, um, I'm always looking for other opportunities as well. And um, I let people know sometimes, um, you know, you want the exposure and it, it may not necessarily be a high paid gig, you know, when you're doing the freelance writing. But, you know, it could definitely give you exposure and help you um, build, you know, your audience. When you're starting out, I will say that, that, that I mean, that could be an approach, and a lot of people do take that. But I'm a proponent now after freelancing for several years. Mm-hmm. I think that artists ought to be paid for their work, just like a plumber or electrician, engineer is yeah. paid. And, and mm-hmm. some, of the, some, of the, uh, some of the outlets I would tell people uh, that you can look at if you are interested in getting in the freelancing mm-hmm. for, for jobs, mm-hmm. Media Bistro, Journalism okay, jobs. Get my, get my uh, paper. What was the first one? Uh, media bistro. Uh, media, and then the second word is B I S T R O. Media bistro, journalism okay. jobs, freelance writing gigs. Uh, I think there's an online writing. If you go freelance writing, that'll come up. Craigslist also lists some good jobs sometimes. If you put freelance really? writer, uh, Craigslist for the city, that a city, a certain city, yeah, they do list some. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I I encourage people who want to get into freelance writing to sign up for alerts the same way you would any other job through Indeed, Monster, Career Builder. Uh, some I'm, I just saw yesterday where some writing terms will pull up higher paying jobs than others. Freelance writing. Somebody said maybe go and you might have to get some experience, which you can get it online for free. Marketing writer. 
uh, content writer, those SEO specialists. I'm told those jobs tend to pay more. If you if they if they have something in the description, you don't have the experience. You could always get that experience and then start applying for those jobs. Technical writer jobs. Read through them. You should maybe contact the employer or the hiring manager on some of them because you might think you can't do it, but maybe you can. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can take on mm-hmm. those tend to pay uh, well as well. And then just the the. Uh, uh, there's what HubSpot. That's a good place to learn about uh, SEO, uh, marketing, writing. There's another one I saw yesterday, but I, the name of it escapes me just now. But those are places you can go to learn to, to get up to speed on your marketing, writing, how to write a sales letter, et cetera, uh, mm-hmm. and to start to bring in more money. Uh, okay. to, to me, I'm giving this advice, and all our off-the-shelf listeners, interested in freelance writing because there are freelance writers who make over a quarter million a year so it is there are people who are doing it and so it can be done Uh, you just have to get out there and start networking LinkedIn has some jobs but a lot of corporations they don't really advertise their writing jobs but they pay very well they'll generally be under a marketing writer I'm going to say or uh, um, some type of a, a, a content strategist uh, title and you might have to get some learn do get get up to speed and and learn how to fill those roles but that there are writing jobs that pay pretty doggone well so um that's a that's a route route as well you know to to consider uh for our listeners can you believe we have three minutes only three minutes to I had like more than probably ten questions more to ask you, and clearly I'm not going to get <laughs> to them. You said you have a sequel oh. coming out. When can off-the-shelf listeners expect your sequel to hit the market? I'm not sure. I'm just starting the outline of it. And so, okay. You know, okay. I'm excited about it, and they're still talking. I'm like, what? Lauren's still just jabbing away, so I'm like, oh, gosh. So, you know, there's more to say, more to come from them. So we'll see. I'm definitely going to um, – Stay focused on it throughout 2015. And so okay. I'm excited about that. It's, you know, it's more to they have more to say too. So I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Now, oh, can you tell us some of the social networks you're on, and where can our listeners find you online? Yes, um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm under author Mia Sean. I'm also on Twitter at Mia Sean. And um, I'm on Amazon.com. I have a author page on there. Um, you can search me under Mia Sean. And I'm also on YouTube. I love YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Go I'm ahead. Under author Mia Sean. So that's okay. all I have on right now. Okay. Uh, how can groups contact you if they want you to speak? The organization, schools, churches, community organizations, et cetera. And then I also want you to let us, our listeners know if you're taking on any freelance writing work and how could they contact you if they wanted you to do some freelancing for them. Yeah, you can contact me on any of my social media uh, websites and also my email is miashawn at gmail.com. Okay, okay. So she and is taking on freelance writing. Well, yeah. She is taking. Well. Okay. 
she is taking on freelance writing work. Uh, the yeah. author, our special guest today here on Off the Shelf, Mia Sean, freelance writer and novelist, the author of the book Marvelous How That Works. She is passionate about the natural hair movement, and she's working on a sequel to bring back Fatima and Lauren and Sheba and some of the other characters and Marvelous How That Works so you can continue to see how their lives evolve. Uh, and she says she's going to be working on a sequel throughout this year. We want to thank Mia Sean for being here with us, and we encourage you to stop over and visit her online, MiaShawn.com, M-E-I-A-H-S-H-A-U-N.com. If you didn't catch the entirety of the day's show after it streams, come back and listen to the rest of the show and, and, and encourage your colleagues, your family, your friends, your neighbors to, to, to listen to the show and support Mia Sean, and she's she said she is taking on freelance writing clients. I hope this interview helps her to gain at least one or more freelance writing clients uh, who tuned in to her today, and certainly uh, sales for marvelous all thy works by Mia Sean M E I A H S H A U N. If you're looking her up in Google or or Bing or one of the other uh, web search 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 engines. So I want to thank all of our guests, all of our listeners for tuning in today, January the 10th. Again, a happy new year to all of you guys. Please come back next Saturday. Tell everybody you know, whether they love the arts, writing, uh, the editor, they're a writer, a publicist, small business owner, whatever your passion is, you're an avid book reader, come back to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time. And as I always tell you, you are so awesome. You're incredible. You are an amazing. And what a blessing it will be when you finally, finally grasp that, when we all do. Go out and create a marvelous day for yourself. Me, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you.